For our family, we often will go over for the weekend, and we might not ride a single ride, but we're for sure going to snack our way around the countries of the World Showcase at Epcot. I'm Robin Sussingham, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm. We're all about food in Florida. Today's show is the final one for season two of The Zest, and I'm sad to say it's also the last one that I'll be hosting and producing. I'm leaving WUSF Public Media only because I found an opportunity that I just can't walk away from. I'm very excited to take over as publisher for the newly relaunched Edible Tampa Bay magazine. I have always loved the Edible brand, which stretches across the country, but which embodies the values that have been so important to us at The Zest. A strong sense of place, a deep connection to the area's growers and chefs, and an attachment to the community that rallies around food. You'll find the print edition of Edible Tampa Bay next spring. And meanwhile, come visit me at edibletampabay.com. Move over, Mickey Mouse. These days, the main attraction at Walt Disney World just might be the food. On today's show, we explore the theme park's restaurant scene with a Disney expert. Earlier this year, the pandemic forced Walt Disney World to shut down for nearly four months. Since it reopened, many fans have been eager to return to the theme park, but not just for the rides and character photo ops. Wilma Norton has been visiting and eating at Disney World regularly for more than 25 years. She also serves on Plan Disney, formerly the Disney Park's Moms Panel. Just before the shutdown, Wilma spoke with the Zest producer, Dalia Cologne, about how Disney became a foodie's paradise. We've been holding the interview until now. In this conversation, Wilma offers advice for eating and drinking your way through Disney without sticker shock. Hi, I'm Wilma Norton, and for the last seven years, I have been part of the Disney Parks Moms Panel. What is that? Well, we're a group of moms, dads, aunts, uh, uncles, grandparents, who answer questions for Disney guests on the Disney website. So if you are planning your vacation and you're overwhelmed, as a number of people are, you go to DisneyParksMomsPanel.com and submit your question. And someone like me, who is a longtime Disney fan and someone who goes to the parks a lot, will answer your question from our point of view and from our experience. When you say long time, can you count the number of times you've been to Disney? Oh, no. We have been season pass holders since our older daughter was four or five. So something like 23 years we have been annual pass holders, but we've been going regularly for 25 years. Wow. So you've been through all the phases with little kids, as adults. What are some of the most common food-related questions you get? Well, they range from... 
my child only eats grilled cheese or cheese pizza is he going to starve while we're at Disney World? All the way up to a question I answered last night was, we are coming as a group of adults. We want to eat more exotic food while we're on vacation. What are your recommendations for that? And Disney World is renowned for how it caters to every guest's need from the child or adult sometime who only want cheese pizza and plain hamburgers to the folks who want to eat the most exotic food they can think of while they're on vacation and and everything in between. What is your answer to the first question? Because we were at Magic Kingdom, but my kids both wanted pizza and we just trekked back and forth trying to find the pizza spot. And actually, I think pizza has gotten to be a little harder to find. I think tastes in general have gotten more exotic. And so Disney has accommodated that. People want to have Asian-flavored noodles when they're on vacation. And so I can't tell you the last time I ate a piece of pizza at uh, Magic Kingdom. You can get chicken nuggets almost anywhere. And we're foodies. We love all varieties. But there is nothing better than a Walt Disney World chicken nugget. Last weekend, we were at Boma, which is the African-influenced buffet at uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge. And both my husband and my daughter, in addition to having watermelon rind salad and all of these bobati and these African-influenced dishes, they both went to the area where you could get mac and cheese and chicken nuggets so they could have at least one Walt Disney World chicken nugget while we were there. What is it? Is it just the most magical chicken nugget on earth? They're really crispy. Uh, I think that's it. They're heavily battered and they're really crispy. Mm. Uh, I'm a vegetarian and my mouth is watering, Wilma. (laughs) All right, now let's jump to the other question you said you answered last night, the four adults coming by themselves, which that may surprise some people. People go to Disney World without kids. Lots of people go to Disney World without kids. In fact, about seven or eight years ago, uh, my husband and I were there one day just by ourselves. And I remember walking into Epcot and I sort of stopped and said, I've had an epiphany. I love our kids, but this is more fun when it's just us. And so lots of people do adults only. I answer a lot of questions from people who say, we're coming for our 25th anniversary or our 30th anniversary, or people are coming for their 50th anniversary. We helped a a guy named Bill make plans for uh, his wife recently. There's such a variety. And so these folks last night that I was writing an answer to, the first thing I always recommend if you want sort of the higher end, more authentic, I I don't want to say exotic, I think it's authentic, is flavors. The three restaurants at Animal Kingdom Lodge, Sanaa, Boma, and Jico are among the best for interesting flavors and uh, that authentic cuisine. I also recommended, which I think would surprise some people, the newest restaurant at Magic Kingdom is called Jungle Navigation Limited Skipper Canteen. I think I got that right. Why, though? (laughs) It's based on the Jungle Cruise. It's themed around the Jungle Cruise. But it's got these great South American and Asian and African-influenced dishes 
that you don't expect at Magic Kingdom, which still is the place where you're going to get, you know, spaghetti and meatballs at Tony's Town Square and turkey and dressing at uh, Liberty Tree Tavern. And then you move to Disney Springs, where you have a variety of restaurants, including a number from celebrity chefs. So I always like to recommend Morimoto Asia. We like to sit at the sushi bar and just have the chef amakase style. I think I'm saying that right. We just say, give us what you think is best today. And, you know, you're going to get sea urchin and some things you might not order. Uh, speechless. <laughs> Never thought about sea urchin at Disney World other than, you know, Little Mermaid. And Disney Springs, that's kind of the nightlife grown-up area where you would look forward to going maybe without the kids. There are a number of places like that at Disney Springs, though it is Disney World. Everyone is welcome almost everywhere. In the old downtown Disney days, there was a whole section that was 21 and over after a certain time at night. But these days, there's a place to take your whole family, even if you want something a little more exotic. For the the folks that I was talking to again last night, I said the most exotic dish that I'm going to recommend to you that I've had at Disney World is the guacamole with the toasted grasshoppers at Frontera Cochina, which is a Rick Bayless restaurant at Disney Springs. So you can have chicken nuggets or you can have toasted grasshoppers. Wow, something for everyone. Why do you think Disney puts so much emphasis on food? Because when I was a kid, it was all about the rides and the Mickey ice cream bar. But Disney and the other Orlando theme parks have really stepped up their game food and beverage wise. Why do you think that is? Well, I think part of it is just as our culture, we've become more obsessed with food. When we first started going to Disney World 25 years ago, I don't think it occurred to us that we would want more than a hamburger and french fries or some chicken nuggets when we were at a theme park. But with food television and podcasts like this, we're all, I think, so much more obsessed with what we eat. And that's a big part of your experience. For our family, we often will go over for the weekend and we might not ride a single ride, but we're for sure going to snack our way around the countries of the World Showcase at Epcot, or we're going to go to Disney Springs and have sushi, or we're going to have guacamole with grasshoppers, or we're going to taste Spanish tapas from Jose Andreas at Haleo at Disney Springs. So it's a great way to travel the world without leaving the theme parks. I love the idea of snacking my way around the world. (laughs) Sign me up for that. Let's talk about the beverage scene because Disney has quite the wine collection and spirits. Do you feel like people underestimate Disney in that regard? I think they do. We talk about this a lot in our family because we are a little bit obsessed with Disney history and that sort of thing. And in the old days, as in 10 years ago, there was not alcohol sold at Magic Kingdom. And when Be Our Guest restaurant opened eight or nine years ago now, they added beer and wine with dinner there because it's a French restaurant. The French and others were appalled that you would have French food without a nice glass of wine. Since then, Magic Kingdom has expanded 
to offer beer and wine at all of the sit-down table service restaurants. You can't walk up to a beer cart and walk around Magic Kingdom with a beverage in your hand. But, you know, some of the purists are like, Walt would be horrified. Well, Walt had a bar in his office, I think. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure he did. It's really about moderation and appealing to people from all over the world as well. Europeans, for example, are some of the hugest numbers of folks who come to Disney and they want a glass of wine with their with their meal, as do many of us. The Epcot International Food and Wine Festival, which is now in its 23rd or 4th year, I think was also a place that really spurred this idea that people want to come on vacation and sip different cocktails and different wines and try different beers. Of course, it started before the craft beer movement, and now craft beers are, are a big part of that. And people want to visit Mexico in Epcot and try tequilas from Mexico. So there are, there are a number of uh, folks who do their own drink-around-the-world sort of uh, programs. I always caution to alternate with water and perhaps a caffeinated beverage as they do that and to share and taste uh, because we have seen some a few folks get a little carried away with the tasting at Epcot but the whole cocktail scene is kind of amazing there and it's my understanding that the Epcot Food and Wine Festival started just to have kind of a filler during the shoulder season. So not during one of the peak seasons, but that in-between time that's a little bit slower in terms of tourism. And now it's this huge thing. Other theme parks have their versions. SeaWorld has a food festival. Busch Gardens has a food festival. Well, and Epcot's Food and Wine Festival now goes from August until right before Thanksgiving, And then during the holidays, there are food booths with special desserts and savory dishes and cocktails. And then there's the Festival of the Arts that is in January and February with their own specialty foods and beverages. And even during the Flower and Garden Festival, which is an interesting pairing because Disney has embraced, and I know you've talked about this on the Zest already, has embraced the plant-based movement. And so it's going to be really interesting this year to see how those plant-based dishes expand even more during the Flower and Garden Festival and how that's incorporated. Mm, So the eating never ends. The eating never ends. But you're walking the whole time. So it's like calories out, calories in. It's just the circle of life. We joke. uh, We have friends who are big campers and hikers. That's not my family. Uh, So we always say our hike is the 1.2 miles around the World Showcase. That totally counts. Completely valid. You gave us the tip about staying hydrated and not over-consuming alcohol. Let's get to some of your other tips. Disney is expensive. How can we save money on food? One of the biggest questions we get at the Disney Parks Moms panel is about the dining plans and whether that works for your family. And there are several varieties of the dining plan. And I think for a lot of people, the main attraction of that is that you pay in advance, you know what you're going to spend on on money, 
And then you don't have to worry about it. If you've got kids, they don't have to be saying, can I have this? Can I have that? They have their dining credits on their magic band, which is their bracelet that has all the information about uh, your tickets and so forth on it. And, And you just eliminate the hassle. For our family, we don't tend to eat a lot of snacks. We don't eat a lot of desserts. Or we tend to not eat a meal. We snack instead. Snack so, around the world. Snack around the world. So the dining plan has never really made a lot of sense for us. But one of the things that I do for the Food and Wine Festival or the other festivals is to buy a gift card that attaches to a wrist bracelet for how much money I want to spend that day. And that way I can keep track of how much we have spent on sips and savory bites as we go around and can make some judgments on, oh, have we had enough? Should we add some more money to the gift card? But it's a conscious decision because if you're just pulling out your card or you're just tapping your magic band – you can have sticker shock when you get back at the end. <laughs> they make it so easy. <laughs> they do make it they do make it very easy. But I think there are also a lot of ways that people can save money. I think people don't realize you can bring your own non-alcoholic drinks, you can bring your own snacks. Especially if you have smaller kids, that's a great way, you know, fill your backpack with goldfish crackers and juice boxes and applesauce squeezies. And then you can save your money for a Mickey bar or a Mickey pretzel or one of those uh, special treats. Oh, that's a great tip. At least bring your own water bottle. Oh, please bring your own water bottle. There are water fountains all around the parks. They're adding more of the filtered water, water bottle stations. And every quick service restaurant at Walt Disney World will give you a free cup of ice water if you just ask. So I always take a water bottle get a free cup and fill it up. Or if we're sitting at a table service restaurant, fill up your water bottle before you leave or ask them for a to-go cup. Let's talk about some of these experiences that are unique to Disney, like the character dining. Does your family have any experience with that? And is it worth it? Well, I always say when people ask, is it worth it? It depends on your family. And I encourage people to think about before you ever make your first reservation for your Disney trip, think about what's going to be important to you. And if you don't care about food, then spend all of your time planning rides. If you only are going to be in your room to sleep, then it doesn't matter what kind of hotel you're in. And I think food is the same way. If seeing characters is really important to you and you don't want to have to stand in line, character dining is fabulous. You sit there, you have your food, the characters come over to you. When our kids were little, I used to find it sort of stressful because I wanted to be sure that I got all of the perfect pictures. So I would end up not really eating because I didn't want to go to the buffet to fill my plate because I might miss that picture with Mickey or Goofy or something. So you have to manage your expectations. But there are a number of the character meals that we've done over the years that are just really special memories. Um, Our older daughter was obsessed 
with Mary Poppins when she was two and three. So for her third birthday, we drove over to the Grand Floridian and had breakfast with Mary Poppins. That's one of her first memories and so very special. She didn't care about characters that much beyond that, but she remembers having breakfast with Mary Poppins on her third birthday. So yes and no. It just depends on what, what's important for your family. I still like having dinner at the Crystal Palace in Magic Kingdom with Pooh and friends. My sister and I are middle-aged at this point, and whenever she comes to visit, we always go to the Crystal Palace and have have that dinner with Pooh and friends. We have pictures of our kids from stroller all the way up to college and beyond reluctantly sometimes posing with Piglet because it's important to us. Oh, I love that. It makes us smile. I love that. You have to do one of those um, photos where you recreate, like, the poses that they had from when they were little. (laughs) We've done that a few times. Oh, how fun. But this brings up another point. Vacation feels kind of high stakes because you're spending a lot of money. You have limited resources, limited time and money. Vacations are where we make memories. Around the dining table is where we make memories. And this is combining it all. So do you have any other advice for kind of taking the pressure off? It's supposed to be fun, right? Well, it is. And I answered a question recently from a woman who said, I'm bringing my kids to Disney World. We've wanted to do this forever. I'm worried I'm going to do it wrong. And so my advice is take a deep breath. You can't do it wrong. You're spending time with your family. So, sure, you want to be sure that you do the ride that your son has always wanted to do. You want to try to eat breakfast with Mary Poppins if that's what's going to make your daughter's trip worth it. But It's a vacation, and so I always encourage people to think about what their priorities are and allow downtime, allow time for the magic to sort of unfold because some of your great memories may be things you didn't even know were going to happen. You could be walking along and all of a sudden at Animal Kingdom – Baloo from the Jungle Book will pop up in front of you and start dancing. You want to take advantage of that instead of saying, oh, can't watch this. I've got 30 seconds to get to the next thing. And so what has kept us going back for 25 years and beyond really isn't about what ride we go on, what dish we eat. It's about that this is a place where you have all spent a lot of time together. I'm kind of tearing up because it's where it's where our family history has in a lot of ways been written. And so uh, I just encourage people to think about that. Well, I can't think of a more perfect ending. Wilma Norton, thank you so much for all your advice. And um, if we have other questions, we can write to you in the Moms Panel. That's right. DisneyParksMomsPanel.com. Thank you so much. That was Delia Colon speaking with Wilma Norton of Plan Disney, formerly the Disney Parks Moms Panel. Disney World is one of a handful of Florida theme parks offering more plant-based dining options these days. Last year, we chatted with Tampa Bay Times journalist Sharon Kennedy Wynn about the trend. 
You can hear that conversation in episode 31. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening and subscribing to The Zest and for loving Florida and its food. I've been producing The Zest with the wildly talented Dalia Cologne, whom I am going to miss terribly. Thanks also to Cheyenne Jaglel, Mark Hayes, Katie Edmiston, and Sheila Rue. Hi, Hi Robin. Robin. It's Kevin and Lori from, from the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. We're sad to see you leaving the zest. But we want to congratulate you on your new endeavor. Best, Best of, of luck, luck, Robin. Robin. Hi, this is Leanne Whippin, and I am owner of The Deviled Pig here in Tampa. And I am just so excited for Robin and so proud of her. She was just so awesome as the host on The Zest. And I really want to extend my congratulations and wish you great success in your new venture. And if I had to give a little bit of advice, I would just say continue to be honest and hardworking, but always reserve time for your family, friends, and don't forget about yourself. Rejuvenation helps you keep you on your game. All my best, Robin. Take care. Hey, Robin, Janet Keeler here. I just want to wish you a lot of luck on your new edible adventure. We're going to miss you a lot on the zest, of course, and miss your voice on the radio. I'm looking forward to working with you on your new venture, too. And I want to thank you for teaching me a little bit about how to be on the radio. And also just to, to let me know that just because the recipe calls for 16 ounces of tahini doesn't mean you need to put in 16 ounces of tahini. Thanks for everything, Robin, and good luck to you on your new chapter. Hi, Robin. This is Jeff Houck. I had a blast in January when we talked about the great convenience stores of Tampa. I'm sorry to hear you're leaving the zest, but the good news is that you and I will now have plenty of time to go around snacking on pickled eggs. You know, the ones that are swimming in that pink fluid in the jar next to the cashier. Mmm, they're delicious. Anyway, thanks for bringing your best to the zest. Copyright 2020, WUSF Public Media, University of South Florida.